When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I used to get a buzz out at Robin, getting in trouble, of course, getting locked up. We turn our phones off in the evening, and it's great. I just think there's too many other things going on in life to enjoy. The government putting that up now is just, it's not even the nail in the coffin. It's they've dug the hole and they've thrown you into it. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with P. I haven't been keeping too close account of that Wuhan Open in in the snooker, although I'm delighted to see how well young Hill is doing. Young Aaron Hill, I've been following his uh, progress here for a couple of years. That's a last 16 match, if I'm reading things right. So win that today, and we are looking at a Cork quarterfinalist in a ranking tournament. Wuhan Open. Now that's a biggie. That's a biggie. So we'll watch that young man. He's a great player. He's a super player. I said a couple of years ago he has a very big future in the game. And here he is on the verge of a quarterfinal at the Wuhan Open. Good luck to Aaron Hill this afternoon. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. The dust has settled a little bit, I think, on budget 2024. I didn't see a whole pile more about it in the papers this morning. Should we knew everything anyway before it even started? The surprises might emerge in the next few days. We, we, won't, we don't really know. Later this morning, I'll be talking to a man who might have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to watch the rugby on Saturday. Yes, I know. He's on the other side of the world. If he's even interested, we'll, we'll find that out. And a man who's back in hospital for the second time in a month and his third heart attack. I speak of Ian Bailey. I'll catch up with him in a little while. But um, again, another twist last evening in the story of the disappearance of Tina Satchwell. Uh, last seen in March of 2017. We spoke yesterday morning with Paul Bourne of Virgin Media News who told us about the arrest of a man the previous day and the search of a house in East Cork. Now, that man has been released without charge last evening. I understand that a file will be prepared for the DPP and the search is continuing at that house. Let's catch up again with Paul Bourne from Virgin Media News. Paul, so what's been happening over the last 24 hours? Good morning to you again. Good morning, uh, PJ. Um, Basically, as you said, the man was released from custody uh, just after five o'clock yesterday. 
Um, my understanding is that he decided to do without most of the breaks and uh, while he was in custody, he just told uh, detectives, uh, carry on with the line of questioning. His solicitor left the Garda station. Uh, solicitor Eddie Burke uh, was uh, representing uh, the suspect. Uh, solicitor left the Garda station just uh, before five o'clock. And once Eddie Burke was gone, um, the man who had been arrested then left the Garda station uh, with, even though the media was waiting outside, uh, he left through a back door and um, ju- just uh, went off. Uh, as you said, he was arrested on Tuesday at five o'clock, taken to from uh, to Cove Garda Station, where he was quizzed in relation to the murder, disappearance and murder of Tina Satchwell, and then released yesterday. While the questioning was going on, a house in Yall was being searched from top to bottom. Basically, you had um, mini diggers, uh, excavators, um, teams and teams of Gardaí going in there, uh, forensically examining the place. Out the back, I suppose it's best described as like being a jungle and they had to bring in a a shredder and these um, workmen, along with the guards, were tearing down the trees, pulling down the trees and it's it's thought once all of that shrubbery is uh, taken out and uh, mulched that the teams of guards will then go in and carry out a dig and to see what, if any evidence that they can locate in the investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene down there in Yall will remain a crime scene for at least another four to five days. And uh, I know the detectives down there are just leaving no stone unturned. That house will basically be torn apart, mm. um, for the want of a better word, in the search uh, for evidence. Some of the reporting in the newspapers this morning, Paul, I'm sure you've had come across this yourself and you may know more, I hope you do, that major new information emerged in the last number of weeks or was given to Gardaí in the number of weeks ago that prompted this development. Yeah, it, it, it's thought that there was some work carried out at the house uh, following the disappearance of Tina Satchwell. And Gardaí are looking at that information, uh, talking to several people who may be able to help them with that side of the the inquiry. Um, Also, the statements made during the investigation at the early stages of the investigation were looked at again, fresh eyes. And I believe there was a lot of inconsistencies in some of the statements. And that is why, you know, basically after a lot and lot of uh, toing and froing and um, head scratching and uh, debates and conferences the investigation was basically upgraded to murder. They don't do this for the good of their health there is no way that they turned around and said uh, actually, look, let's do this. It, it took a long time mm-hmm. to to put this in, in train and eventually the green light was given to turn it, um, to to upgrade it to one of murder, and then all of the resources that are made available to uh, teams of Gardaí when an investigation is upgraded to murder were made available to the to the team. Um, down there at the moment, you must have, or oh, I, I think there must be at least twenty to twenty five officers uh, of all ranks um, in, in Yall at the search site. 
you have um, search parties, you have sergeants, inspectors, superintendents, you have teams from the forensics um, lab in Dublin. You know, again, we suggested these people in the white suits that you'll go around. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a difficult search, my understanding. And also yesterday, I know that there was a number of items removed from the house and they will be sent to the uh, state laboratory to see if anything can be gleaned from there, from, from the exhibits. As you said, something of this extent, Paul, isn't something that a sergeant decided in his tea break. Come here, we'll be taking another look. This, this is coming on the back of, of something big. We just don't know what that is yet. Yeah, and, and in fairness, look, the guards, um, they don't come out and tell you what you got. I mean, this is, that's always, as they say, for operational reasons. Um, a lot of work went into it. And just because, you know, I mean, Tina Satchel went missing in 2017. And yes, there were several um, searches carried out. But just because she wasn't found doesn't mean that the guards simply put the case, the file, into a filing cabinet and ignore it. These files and all investigations of all sorts are reviewed on, um, you know, sometimes a weekly or a monthly or bi-monthly um, um, process or, you know, they'll sit down and say, OK, let's re-examine the, the case of PJ Coogan. And they'll sit down and they look at the files and say, John, have you noticed anything? Can you come up with anything? What have we got to bring to this uh, team? Next one, the case of Tina Satchwell. Yeah, well, look, in the last week, something new has come to light. So they, they, they cross-reference everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, as I said, they had something. And we don't know exactly what it is, but they have something to say, OK, it warrants being upgraded to murder. Let's move. Because something like this, a, a move like this, may even require a warrant to move in with such equipment. So, you know, there's something... Yes, obviously, there was a warrant for for, um, somebody's arrest on Tuesday. Um, And then there was... um, They executed the warrant to go into the house and deem it a crime scene. And they're in there for as long as they want. If they're... uh, Until they're 110% satisfied with everything, that everything has been done, they won't leave. They they won't leave that property in y'all. Okay, Paul, we'll follow it. Uh, Interesting developments again in the last 24 hours in the search for Tina Satchwell. Missing uh, missing since March of 2017, March 20th of 2017, Virgin uh, Media News. Southern correspondent Paul Bourne, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Your papers, particularly independent, and uh, compliments to my pal there, Ralph Regal, on some very detailed reporting this morning on the latest uh, developments in this fashion. And I know it's, look, I know there's someone missing uh, and whatever, but it's still fascinating. It's still fascinating. What the heck is going on? What? You, you do, that's a, you know, you do, you sit down and you go, what the heck is going on? It's that kind of a story. It really is. We'll follow it with great interest. 0818 96 96 96. There's a man in hospital in West Cork. He's back in hospital. He needs surgery. Again, he's protesting his innocence of a crime that happened 27 years ago. I'll talk to Ian Bailey next. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM.
Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages and we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Herpings and Roosters. Cork's 96 FM. Actually, just on the the Exorcist, come up there in the commercials. Has anyone seen that yet? That new Exorcist movie or Exorcist movie? I remember the original. I remember it frightened the heebie-jeebies out of me. And still... Does the last time I watched it, I watched it. God, maybe eight or nine years ago, I got a, a DVD remastered, brilliant copy of it actually, and watched. Oh God, it's just yeah. <laughs> Even the thoughts of it, the promo is brilliant. Has anyone seen that new Exorcist movie? Because um, my my good pal John John Big Big John, who's my movie guru, texted me last week and he said there's three of them coming. I've got to look forward to that. 0818 96 96 96. Now down to West Cork, to uh, Bantry Hospital, uh, where once again, Ian Bailey, uh, you're, you're, you're having the good care of the doctors and nurses down there. Good morning to you. I, I mean, this is the second time I've been in. The first time was in the beginning of September. They told me I had a double heart attack and they did various things for me, did various tests and then gave me various tablets and sent me home. And then last Saturday, uh, I got up and I was... Uh, I come from the north of England. They used to have an expression up there. Uh, oh, I feel requeer. Re- re- mm. And I, I wasn't feeling particularly special. So I um, I rang the hospital and they said, oh, you better come in again. And I, w- I was right. I'd had a third heart attack. And they're looking after me. That's where we are at the moment. Three heart attacks. Am I right in saying you need surgery now? Yes. Well, the, the, the thing at the moment is, for some reason, my heart is uh, fibrillating, which means it's dancing around like a frog in a box. It's, it's sort of... Mm. And they're trying to stabilise that. And then from there, once that's stabilised, the plan, I think, and this is out of my hands, um, is to send me up to CUH where I will undergo what they call bypass surgery. Mm-hmm. You sound strong and you sound well, but I take it that's because you are okay today. Uh, yeah, I have good days, bad days. Um, it's a funny it's a funny thing. My energy goes... But I mean, I'm trying to write at the moment. I've got writing to catch up on. And um, I find my energy goes just like that. It, it's sort of like I can be fine one minute and the next minute I'm... Oh, my God. The last time we spoke... You were, or you had been at least, frightened for, for whether you'd pulled through. Yeah. Were you, were well, you frightened you, again last weekend? Yeah, well, I was. Because, you, you, you see, when, when you're having these things and you've got no, you've got nothing to measure them against. Uh, no, no, it, it, it is quite genuinely frightening. Mm. You, you, you're a man who likes to walk and, and, and liked to hike in the past. And you found you could only walk, what, a few steps? Yeah, I mean, I found like I was taking maybe 10 steps and I was, having to stop and rest. And it's to do with the condition of the heart. You know? mm. And it, it, it's quite funny because I'm just writing a little poem about the condition of the heart. Um, should, will, I, will I give you a quick 
little blast of it. It's only a short. Feel free while you're there. It's called, so it's, it's the first draft, and I've been looked after by these wonderful nurses. Absolutely amazing. And it's called Love and Super Glue. They tell me that you're very good when it comes to fixing broken things. So tell me so and tell me true. Could you fix my broken heart with love and super glue? <laughs> That's for no particular nurse in particular. That's for all of them. I have but, to say, Ian, I like that. I do indeed. Now, the last time you were on with me, we talked about the stress of yeah. you know what you what you've been consistently going through for for a long time now, and the cold case review. Have you spoken to the cold case team yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Now I did read last week that the officer in charge of it or um, is working on the DNA, one of the officers. Um, but I haven't had any contact with them uh, right. so far. And I, I mean, I, re- I, re- I wrote to Drew Harris over two years ago asking for this and saying he could expect my full and absolute cooperation. And that remains the, the, the case. We've already read reports that somebody has come forward to talk about scratches on your arms. Oh, God, oh God yeah. I saw that report. Yeah. I mean, somebody, an English guy who used to what's called absolute nonsense. I mean, it's quite interesting that my hands, now, I did have some scratches on my arms, and they came from chopping down a Christmas tree. But we're not talking about my hands. We're talking about my arms. But my, I went up to the scene on the 23rd, Monday. I was seen there by various journalists. Mm. I was seen there by one of your own court reporters, Eddie Cassidy. That's right, formerly yeah. of, the, of the examiner. In fact, it was Eddie who rang the news desk yes. that day. Yes. I was on. Yes. I was on duty that day. So Right, yes, because I, I think we're, everybody down here can remember that day because, mm. you know, it was one of those, those moments that journalists still tend to remember. And then I went out in the evening and I went to a couple of bars, and there weren't any scratches on my hand. And amazingly, last week I get a phone call from a journalist at the Independent saying that he'd been contacted or heard that this man recollects all of a sudden seeing my hand, like a some sort of grotesque depiction of my hand. Mm-hmm. Absolute, I'll be very polite, because I know you've got polite listeners, absolute effing nonsense you know I don't, I don't know what what prompted that well I, I wanted to, to bring that report up with you and, and get your mm. response and I've done that now something else we've read is that the family Sophie's family have offered to cover your medical bills to make sure that you stay with us because they want to bring you to justice as they see it um, I, I, I read that as well I mean one, one we have to be careful about anything we read and ask the question is it true well I believe it is true. Have they made um, a direct I, approach to you offering to pay? I, well, I think I think that they're going to be receiving a letter from somebody here at Bantry Hospital um, outlining what it would have cost uh, to treat me uh, and if they want to make a contribution. Did you ask think, them to write that letter, Ian? Uh, no, but I might, so they can have a very good Christmas party. Sounds a tad sarcastic. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I don't you see... I, I, I don't know. I just read that in the newspaper. They're okay. saying that they were they they wanted they, they wanted me to stay alive so they could try to get me over there, and they were prepared to pay some of my medical costs. I don't know. 
So yeah. we don't know what's going to happen there. Nope. You you just accept it philosophically. I mean, my my con- my great concern is I'd like the truth to come yeah. out in, in as much as it pertains to me and Madame Sophie Tuscander Plante. I.e., I had nothing to do with this terrible crime before I'm dead and gone. You know, I have this sort of this condition, this heart condition that comes on me, and it's got quite frightening. And and you know, they said I was quite lucky to survive. Mm. You and I have spoken a number of times. I've always enjoyed our conversations. If it was a thing that this was the last opportunity we ever had to speak to each other, Ian. What would you say if this is well, the last time we ever get to talk? Well, I just reiterate everything I said before, really, that I had nothing to do with it. Now, the thing is this. I did take the precaution of recording my own podcast, Ian Bailey in his own words. Indeed. And that's out there. And in a way, I'm glad I did that when I did it. Mm-hmm. And that's me telling my own story. It would just be nice for myself and other people, including my ex-partner if this could be established, who, you know, who it was, mm. who, who made it. And it's quite interesting as we speak, and we have to be careful about these matters. You notice that there was a man arrested last night near Cork City, and you notice that man's name did not appear in the media. Did, did you notice that? Yes, I did. And now when my, when my name, when I was arrested on the first occasion, my name was all over the media. You I know, remember that what, very well. And that's what led to a lot of the, you know, difficult situations that I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to somebody else there on the radio. They were talking about TikTok. But, and I, I, I do TikTok. And um, they were saying how people now, creators, musicians and people, are not making music for radio or television. They're making it for TikTok. Yes. And it's very interesting because I'm on TikTok. I'm Ian Bailey 66, and I've got a good few thousand followers. And I do poems and stories and, mm-hmm. and things. And it's a great, great format for the performance performance artist. Indeed. You know, you, you can make these little, little clips or songs or poems. I do poems and songs and bits and pieces. Mm. Ian, I hope that your heart settles down, and I hope that you'll be uh, fit and able for the surgery. I wish you well, and Thank perhaps you. we will speak again. Slán. Hopefully so, hopefully so. Gurum Mila Margaret and Slán that. Slán is Tamil. Ian Bailey in, in Bantry Hospital. Um, <laughs> I, I have to laugh. That's a lovely little poem he wrote. Can you fix my broken heart with love and super glue? I do like that. I do like that. Good man, Ian, your character, yeah. 0818 96 96. 96. I mentioned the, the cold case team as well, talking to Ian. There's a, this is a story I don't remember. I had to go looking into the archives this morning to, to dig this one out. Um, uh, October 1971. It was a murder in Ratos in County Meath. Actually, it was two murders in Ratos in County Meath. A woman called Una Linsky. She was 19 she disappeared in October 1971. Uh, 50, what, 52 years ago now? October 1971. Her body was found the following December in the Wicklow Mountains. Three men were arrested and questioned. Their names were Martin Cumney, Dick Donnelly, and Martin Kerrigan. They were arrested and questioned 
And then nine days after they were released, Martin Kerrigan was abducted and killed. It's, it's a bizarre one. It's a bizarre one. The other two accused went on to be convicted of manslaughter, but those convictions and cases were completely overturned and there was a miscarriage of justice there. But the murder, murders, remain unsolved. Um, 0818969696. That's, that, that's one to watch. That'll be all over your television news later. And update and appeal on that later today. This cold case team, you know, they're pretty good at what they do. Remember the recent story locally here? Uh, the murder of Nora Sheehan being solved after, what, 40 years? And all no long is appealing his conviction. But we'll see where that goes. But that was the cold case team solved that one after 40 years. Now, and, and it was the longest running murder case, unsolved murder case in the history of the state. Well, now they've got one for 51 years. We'll see whether, whether the cold case team can solve that one. Sad story internationally this morning. Look, the tragedy continues in the Middle East. We spoke earlier in the week about it at length. Don't really propose to revisit it unless unless you do. But it's just an ongoing tragedy of our time. But see, the, the, it was almost inevitable, wasn't it? We would get the news that Kim Dampty, that girl with Irish connections, her mom, even though she's lived in Israel for 40 years, her mom, whose uh, original name is Cooper, uh, and is from Port Leash, and she has an auntie, I think, in Port Leash as well. Her body was found uh, over the last 24 hours. She'd been at that rave, uh, that sunrise dance, that sunrise rave on Saturday morning. And we all know what happened there now. Her body was found in the last 24 hours. Just desperately sad. Her picture is all over the newspapers this morning and all over social media. Uh, she was just a stunning-looking woman, full of life. Stunning young woman, full of life and vim and vigor, as all twenty-two-year-olds are. And she went out to dance with her friends in the sunrise. And we know what happened. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Her thoughts are with uh, her and her family, and indeed the uh, entire Jewish community in Ireland uh, this morning, who are feeling that loss. Very closely. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Here at Quartz 96 FM, we're celebrating our five Imro Radio Awards. Imro Radio Awards. This is number one champion, Sam. PJ Coogan got gold for Speech Broadcaster of the Year, Local Regional. Simon Murdoch won gold for Radio DJ of the Year. And Radiothon got gold for Community Social Action. We picked up silver for Music Station of the Year. And bronze for Station Imaging. Thanks for listening. From your Imro Award-winning station. Corks 96 FM. After 10, going back to Budget 2024 briefly, the Irish budgeting mammy, Kaz Mooney, who's been here on this programme before, has been speaking out about child benefit and the overall package in general uh, for children. She's been saying that giving people two weeks extra child benefit is grand, but it would have been better to spread it out, give, give them a tenner a month across the 12 months, which is interesting. 
Um, I'll talk to Kaz uh, after 10. But that and, and the other things in the budget, because remember Katie's email yesterday morning, which started a conversation with, with uh, Minister Simon Coveney, Katie was looking at it and saying, what the hell is in this for my family? With all the expenses that we have day to day, there ain't a whole lot in the budget for my family. But Kaz has been looking into it from a from children and childcare point of view. So I'll catch up with her after the 10 o'clock news. 0818 96 96 96. There's no Premier League live this weekend. Uh, it's on a break because of international fixtures. But Trevor and the team will be back with live commentary, interviews and a whole lot more on Saturday next, October 21st. Powered by TalkSport. Premier League live online uh, back Saturday, October 21st with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen on the Cork's 96FM app or you can go to 96FM.ie. I wonder if that's how uh, John keeps in touch with the Premier League Live. John Carney from Fairhill Drive. John, by my calculation, and you are a sports fan, um, you're going to have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to watch the rugby match <laughs> this this weekend. Morning to you. Or good evening. Hi, Matt. How's things? All right. You've yeah, just finished evening, work Matt. in Perth. That that's correct, Matt. Yeah, it's about time now. It's tw- quarter to five in the evening. Beautiful five. summer's evening, Matt. So we can't really complain too much. Uh, well, no, but don't rub it in either. You know yourself now, like <laughs> <laughs> yourself and yourself and and Lorraine are out there now for thirteen years. I was reading about you in the Echo, but. You went out there initially saying, oh, I'll chance it for three months. Tell me more. Yeah, look, that was pretty pretty much it. I think um, Lorraine was finishing college and wanted to go travelling for a year and I had commitments back home and look, all my friends and family, no kind of real reason to leave Ireland, to be honest, at the time. So we kind of had a chat and maybe 10 weeks out, I kind of said, no, this is not for me. So after a few arguments... We pretty much came to an agreement that we'll do three months and if it wasn't for me that we'd come home. And then, look, we obviously, I think in the, in the Echo, we commented saying we went to Sydney first. And I think if we had stayed in Sydney, we'd have probably been back home after that six-month period. It was, it was more giving you a feel of London as opposed to... What, what, what was putting you off, John? What was putting you off? Um, look, truthfully, Matt, it was probably the sport, really, and foot soccer, really, more at home. Um, I was playing at Waterford United at the time under Stephen Henderson. Right. And um, I was, Matt, that's what I loved. I loved sport and everything that was kind of involved in that. And um, we were, I was offered another contract for a year down in Waterford with Stephen, and that was probably the biggest thing for me, was giving up my family and giving up my football. And that's all I've ever done, really. Mm. Like most Irish lads, they're into their sport and... Whatever the case may be. You'd have been kind of semi-pro then, wouldn't you? Yeah, pretty much. I spent for about five five years doing that. Um, Played with Cove Ramblers and then said at Wall United. And from there, that was probably the biggest thing that my reason not to leave or go away for a year because that was probably my biggest commitment. And then, look, when I came to Portman, we landed in Port of... I got what I probably had back home over here and then the lifestyle that... WA and Port Brings with the sunshine, the beaches and everything kind of gave you more homely feel straight away. It's a bit of a smaller environment. Yeah. Um, very similar to Cork in the sizing and stuff like that, but um, it gives you a smaller environment. So I kind of settled pretty quickly and then made friends and a few of our friends from Ireland came over and all of a sudden maybe kind of created a close-knit group that we still kind of friends with today, like, you know, maybe mm. 12 or 13 years later, you know. You're, you're a carpenter and that's a skill you can take to the four corners of the world and you did that. 
Yeah, look, I definitely did, mate. To be fair, it wasn't the job, mate. To be honest, that I enjoyed back in Ireland just simply with the weather and yeah. everything came came with that. So coming to Australia, mate, I kind of put it out that I was actually going to try something different. Yeah. Um, and again, just maybe to get your feet on the ground, you go back to what you know, I suppose. And for one reason or another, mate, a foreman on the site took a liking to me and asked me, could I go work with him direct? And he took me under my wing and put me through kind of training programs, diplomas, etc. And then... 13 years later, and I kind of run a pretty much a company that yeah, kind of is in mining for the last 40 years, you know. So in it's been, mining. Look, it's been a, in mining? Yeah, pretty much. Like, we're a construction company that's involved in mining. So, we pretty much the main contractor we work for is Rio Tinto, you know. Right. So, you, what would you build? You, you build mine shafts or that kind of Is that it? Um, no, look, no, not really. Um, it's pretty much construction work in the mine site so like there's constantly new infrastructure going up oh, in the mine sites there's expansions so that's pretty much what we're doing like you know um, in we've obviously lived in the Pilbara as well for a period of time he sent me a wife which was an interesting period of her life but um, look for everything we've done out here we can't really say we regret any of it so yeah. I was, 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 was going to get to that because at, at one stage you were in the bush for a while but talk to me first about, about Lorraine she's from Silver Springs how did you meet in the first place? Yeah. Uh, man, funny story, like most people would, but we met in a nightclub in Mangans, I think, back in, Jesus, whatever, however long ago, I think I was 21, so... Give me the, 16, give me the right gear now, and I was probably DJing, that's the worst part. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been about that 16, jeez, how long ago was that? I was 21, and Lawrence, yeah, so 17 years ago. Um, and then, so it's been, been a long time. Uh, and then look, yeah, wanted Lorraine wanted to travel, so I think that was pretty much ended up where we were. Wow, wow, two little boys now. They're born out there, of course. What's that? Two boys now as well. They're born out there. They're they're born to it. Yeah, they definitely are. Mate. Yeah, there's um this have this little Aussie Aussie accent as well. I think some at times when I when they speak to my family back home, Lorraine's family. Mm. Um, they always say that there's a, it's definitely not a cork, cork accent they're hearing. I'd, I'd say they'd have to beat the fair hill out of you, you know. I just, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just like you ne- just like you never left. One thing about Perth, and you're not the first person to, to talk about it, it's the proper outdoorsy way to live. The weather's, what, bordering on perfect for, for what, eight or nine months of the year. But were you always outdoorsy, the two of you? Yeah, um, as much as you can be, I suppose, living back home, you know, or living back in Cork. Obviously, look, you get that period where the long evenings are there in the summer and it's fantastic. Mm. But then you get that um, you get that winter feel when you can't, you sometimes can't go outside the door for maybe a week or two at a time because it's raining. So I always love, like, like anybody, you go on holidays, mate, you love the warmer climate and then what it brings. Yeah. Um, never in my life that I think I'd be living in a kind of climate like that but when you get exposed to it it obviously brings a different um, element to your life like, you know yeah like what are, what are, what are the, the seasons like and I know the seasons vary around Oz but, but what's the season like in WA or the seasons like like WA I'd say like we're going into summer at the moment so today it's spring today today is about 32 degrees and it'll probably remain that kind of temperature till probably we get to mid-November and it probably jumps speed anywhere between 30 to 40 consistently over the summer months then which will bring you right up to the end of February and March you know? that's hard to work in though I'd say um, not for myself at the moment because I sit more in an aircon office but definitely if you're sitting outside and you're working outside, mate. Yeah, it's definitely hard. But the heat here, mate, is more a dry heat. So if you seek shade, 
it normally cools down where yeah. you can live in parts of Australia, mate, where it's a bit more humid. Yeah. And it's a bit, you know, it gives you a bit more of that sweating kind of feeling where WA, it's more of a dry heat. So the minute you kind of find shade, it does cool down. Like, you right, know? right. And when you're home at the weekends, how close is the beach? I'll be five minutes, Matt. So we can't really complain too much. Well, you can't. Um, you can't and we do spend, we do spend, we do spend a bit of time down there, thankfully. And the parks, Matt. Everything that's set up on the beaches, Matt. There's barbecues looking over the beaches. There's parks, playgrounds for the kids. So if you want to go down, there's a family on a Sunday evening or whatever the case. We have a barbecue or maybe have a beer while you're there. The kids have their playground and it's kind of easy living, really. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're selling it. You're selling it to me here. You're selling it. Now, now look, there was a bit of, you know, there was sadness during COVID then. Was it your your mum died during COVID and you couldn't come back? Yeah, that's correct, man, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. Tough times, unfortunately. But um, we, we did, we said, my sister obviously rang up the embassy, I think, as soon as we happened, because it happened so sudden. Um, but we were told, look, that we'd have to wait eight weeks to get a flight out with no return date. Um, guaranteed of anything so obviously me to, even if I wanted to go home that 8 week period but even for, even if that 8 week period didn't exist you go home not knowing when you could come back you couldn't yeah. do that obviously with a, a wife and two kids out in Australia no. my sister the same or hus- husband and her kid out so it, it was mad it was an unbelievably tough time but I think there's something over time I think time is a healer so yeah. we've kind of managed to yeah, Get yourself and your sister but are near neighbours were, were they out were they out there before you or what did they come out after no, she, my sister came out after. I think she came out in 2013. Um, so I, we came out here yeah, 2000, maybe 2013. Yeah, Charlotte came out. Okay. I had a brother. My brother came out here. He came out at 18 for a while, um, just before my sister, and lived a good life. I think for two years. Mm. But he eventually went back to Cork. He he's back in Cork himself now with his own wife and two kids as well. So. Yeah. When's when's but the again, last man, time you were back? When's the last time you were back? To I know I know Cork will uh, always be home. We'll talk about that, man. But when were you back last? Last year we were back. Um, we, we went back for a wedding, but it was good because it was the first opportunity I had to go home myself and I suppose be around my family and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, since my mum had passed away, so it was good for myself. And it, I don't know whether it gave me closure or not, but it definitely made it feel more real, I suppose. You know what I mean? I know. Now, you, uh, you, you, you talked about the soccer and the semi pro soccer. Did, did you get a chance to play outside? Yeah, I did, Matt, to be fair. We like thoroughly enjoyed it. We met, I played with a fantastic club over here. Um, and it, look, what you do, you kind of get, we're back home, I suppose, a certain type of football over here. It's a bit slower and it's a bit more, not as intense probably as the football at home, but the quality is good. There's a lot of lads coming out from England and different parts of Europe. And then you've obviously, America, like it's a very kind of mixed ethnic kind of race. The football mm. is a bit late, you know. So it's, we're home, it's obviously predominantly Irish or probably British lads. We're here, it's a bit more mixed. So you do get a lot of uh, different exposures, different type of football, just with the weather. It's a bit more slower. Yeah. Um, as opposed to home, just being a lot more kind of full on at times, you know what I mean? And the kids, and the kids into it? Met, met a fantastic club. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, I bring I bring them down to football every Saturday morning, man. So we'll see if um, there's a bit of interest at the moment. So hopefully that that continues. Good. Liverpool supporters like yourself, they're telling me. Is there a G? I know there's a GAA scene in Sydney and there's one in Brisbane. Is the one where you are? Yeah, there's a big one in Perth as well, man. Look, I haven't been involved in GAA scene in a long time. I did when I came out first, but just with you know, more commitment to football, soccer. You, you're kind of training three nights a week and then a match on the weekend. Now that's going back a few years, to be fair, but you can't really do both, you know? 
Yeah. But I know yeah. there's a huge there's a huge Irish community over here and obviously look when there's more immigration the the clubs are stronger, you know. Yeah. Um so COVID COVID kinda I think slowed the competition down, but in the last few years again there's been a big influx of Irish people, so the the competition gets a lot stronger. My sister is involved with a camogie club over here, so she kinda more keeps me in the loop of what's happening around the GA scene. I gotcha, I gotcha. What's the cost of living like? John, we hear a lot about it. The, the, the wages are good, but but the cost of living is high. Yeah, that that's probably in a nutshell. To be fair, the wages are very good, but the cost of living is high. That is, but look again, you can, like you can make things as expensive or as kind of live normally as much as you want. Really, as I said, you can you can go to restaurants and eat your thousand dollar steak, so you can go down the park and have a barbecue with the kids and it's a bit easier living. Yeah. So it depends on kind of what lifestyle you want to live yourself. Yeah. But, but generally, I mean, stock, eat, stock in the fridge and stock in the larder. For t- I mean, t- t- small boys will eat you out of house and home. <laughs> They're always yeah, hungry. Like, I would, <laughs> 100%. But I would say our average shop, like, and we would, like, would be probably, I suppose, about 400 to 450 Australian dollars, which probably is about the equivalent of about 300 euro, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think it's all probably fair and what is a home, but I just think in the comparison to home and out here, I think the wages are kind of, there's probably a bit more percentage in your favour from the wages perspective against the cost of living yeah. versus what it is a home. Yeah, that's what I kind of feel. Talking to someone else out there over the last couple of weeks, the tax system is a, is a bit fairer as well. What about housing prices? Like, do you own a house out there or do you rent? No, we built a house back in 2016, 17. Um, so, yeah, we're in a great great location a great spot but we've obviously come out worked hard saved hard like everyone would do at home I suppose and luckily we've managed to be able to get into a good suburb there was a plot of land there was a few blocks plots of land came around the area that we were looking to live in so luckily we were able to build a house and yeah we're kind of more than happy well the house we built and nice swimming pool out the back so I know I don't mean to rub it in man, but <laughs> we're not doing too badly <laughs> you're doing you're doing alright you're doing Lorraine is in what medical uh, medical devices is what she does is it yeah so Lorraine is um is production science is what she's doing but she's been working for um, a company that kind of creates this 3D heart valve imagery or something along those lines but that like that's what she's been into she's been doing that for a long long time she obviously took that gap in her career when the kids were getting raised and but now she's gone back into it she's really happy in what she's doing yeah but like again she is she's a good work-life balance and it's important with the kids because you don't really have that support i suppose from a family where you can go mom and dad i'm just going to drop them up to you you're kind of very dependent on what you do yourself or you rely on your friends your my sister in that case we can yeah. probably rely on more than anybody that but. must be very that that's handy so there is yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's a that's a huge thing but again man, our friends are really good your friends ultimately become your family out there like you know mm-hmm. Looking forward to Christmas. Do you have a barbecue? What do you do for Christmas? Um, no, we do the traditional turkey and ham. So this year, my brother-in-law's family are out, so we'll um, do Christmas with them. And then we're actually going on holidays on the 27th of December till the 4th of January, myself, myself and Lorraine and the kids. Right. Because it's a period of time where everything shuts down. Like, like I suppose, at home, we shut down for work for about three weeks. Handy. So it kind of chews up, chews up a lot of your holidays throughout the year. So we're generally trying to get away at that right. Christmas period. Which so is where, good where, we... where does someone who lives in what sounds like paradise go on holidays? It's even a nicer place. <laughs> it's um, it's a place called a place called Carl Bay we go to now, which is just probably about, I'd say, a 10-hour drive north of Perth. Right. But it, it, 
it, I suppose, like we always look at it, it's like, I suppose, the Cork version of Eyal or Gary Vaughan, some of these areas. It's kind of really a beach area where you have a few restaurants and you've got caravan parks and kind of reminds you of the holidays you'd have at home when you were younger. Like, you except know? it doesn't rain. You so might go down to a mobile home somewhere. <laughs> yeah, except it's yeah, 35, 36 degrees outside. <laughs> Come on, so, the, I. I, I <laughs> Being, being a sports fanatic, are you going to get up at four o'clock in the morning to watch the rugby? Oh, 100% match, yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably my Achilles heel, man. I, like, with the sport, that's, that's the one killer, I think. Well, there's a few killers about living over here, man, but that's probably the biggest, the biggest one for me is I'm up most nights watching the games, whether it's a Super Sunday at home or Saturday mornings, and then you're going to work tired on a Monday. But you kind of just learn to adapt, really, Johnny. Yeah. There's some games you miss, unfortunately, and you watch the highlights, but I'll definitely be up watching the rugby, man. I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. And I have a few Kiwi lads that work with me, so there should be a good bit of banter. Oh, will, will you get together with them, or will you just be WhatsApping at 4 a.m.? <laughs> Oh, I'd say it'll just be the WhatsApp, I'd say, for no, or else I might keep quiet until the game is over and see how it goes. <laughs> Hopefully we turn them over. With a bit of luck. John, listen, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your wonderful life in, in Perth. John Kearney and uh, Lorraine and the two kids, two little boys, um, uh, Bobby and Alex. And good luck, John. Um, not jealous at all. I know you miss home, but still not jealous at all. Talk to you soon. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, we'll be going back to the budget and matters contained within in terms of childcare and child benefit and all that in a little while uh, if you've been looking over what it means for you in the last 24 hours or more and uh, you'd like to get in on that one 0818 96 96 96 there is a feature in the echo on wednesday that i like to read it's called women on wednesday it's always very interesting women uh, they find a long list of interesting women and they write about one every week. But in particular, they've been looking in their series of late on the women of the islands, women that live on our offshore islands. And this is a particularly fascinating one that was in the paper uh, this week because I remember the story back in 19... 19- 92, the 22nd of October, it'll be the anniversary at the end of next week. There was a tragedy at on Bear Island where a couple, Anne and Donal, were on their way back to the island and their little boat sank and they, and they died. And they left a family of 10 children behind them, including uh, 19-year-old Anne-Marie, who, and Anne-Marie, it was only in reading the article that I realised there that you were expecting your first baby at the time. But I remember clearly the tragic story of, of your of your mum and dad, Anne and Donald. So uh, even though it's a long time ago now, my con- sincere condolences on your loss, Anne-Marie. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you very much. Yeah, I suppose it never goes away from you, though, does it? Even though it's 31 years this year, it uh, never leaves your side. 
Um, but I, you know, I, I think one thing about the 10 of us is we had a good start as in um, what mom and dad had left with us before they went. We were able to keep going and give the younger ones the same as what we had got to our age as. So I think in that regards, we had a good start down to them, of course. Yeah, they were so young themselves, only 49 and 50. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad had only turned 50 in June and mom had turned 49 in in July. So uh, it was kind of strange. I turned 50 this year, but when I turned 49, you know, it makes you kind of think for some people it comes to the end. And, you know, we all want to get to a good age, but um, sometimes it puts, puts it into perspective um, when you're the age that somebody was when something happened. Right. Um, and it's something I suppose we sometimes don't think about. Mm-hmm. But what, um, yeah, what do you remember, yeah. I was, remember of that day? You were nineteen at the moment, at the time, expecting your first baby, very close to your mom, I, I think, in particular. Yeah, and I, I suppose because I was at home, um, and I was pregnant, and the kids would be at school, or the older ones were out working, and um, I would have spent a lot more time with mom in those couple of months, which is great, and dad, um, and actually that day I was supposed to go to Cork with her to do a bit of baby shopping and um, she called me in the morning but I was just too tired and I suppose a bit lazy um, which sometimes you know I kind of think about what would would, would it have changed things or yeah. that but um, there's no point in dwelling on, on things like that either. How far um, along were you at the time? When... Um, so he was born on the 6th of December so I was about 8 months yeah. Um, and I was like an elephant. I remember being told that August was I was looked like somebody that I have that was having twins. So uh, um, I wasn't, you know, I was very awkward, I suppose. But that day, Dad was putting in a, a new stove in the kitchen. Um, Mom had gone to Cork in the morning to have a cast removed from her arm, and I was going through a bag of baby clothes that I was given, and there was one particular. It was little green and white outfit, and I just pointed out to dad isn't that really cute and he just looked and he said ah, maybe that's something you should have thought about a few months ago so you know like there's memories like this that you'd have that on any other day would just pass you by but something like that then would stay with you just uh, the offhanded comments but yet making light of it do you know what I mean so um, yeah so I was at home um, Catherine and Donal were both working in the co-op at the time Catherine was the the eldest of us, and she was was nineteen, twenty, twenty. I have to count, <laughs> so she would have been twenty four, um, because we're the first of us are all in line. The first five, it's it's every year, um. So they were working in the co op, and the bus would have arrived in town around eight, yeah. and so Dad left what he was doing and went out to meet Mom. And I had a fire blazing. The younger kids were gone to bed. Catherine and Donald came home, and they were kind of surprised that. The boat wasn't on the pier in town where they left. Because your own little the, boat was their parents. Your parents' own little boat, wasn't it, that they used to go back and forth? Like it wasn't a punt. It was a bit bigger, and it had an inboard engine and a and a cabin. And like Dad would have been well used to it, and you know, he'd go out. He'd do that like in his sleep. Um, yeah. But just this day, I suppose it just, I don't know, I think because it was October and it was spring tides, so the tides would have been that little bit lower than they might be on a regular day. Mm-hmm. And um, 
the rock just caught him, but it was a rock that had, there's a lot of boats that had sat in it a few times. Um, you'd have a few men saying that they had to sit there in embarrassment waiting for the tide to come in. And um, they had been on to try to get a light put there. And obviously then, after mom and dad lost their lives there, there was a, there's a light on it now. So um, I suppose it guides the way for everybody else. Mm. Um, but it's just a shame that I wasn't put there sooner. Um, but that's you know that's the way it goes. I know. And and at what stage did you the alarm raise? And um, did you realize something's badly wrong here? So I was when Catherine and Donald came home, and um, Dad's boat wasn't on the pier in town. And when they came in, it wasn't on the island. And Dad's car was still parked where he if he needed to start it on the run. Actually, so it was up a bit. And um, they came home. And so Catch made a few phone calls to see in the mainland if anybody had seen them. And then she rang Cullum, who's our ferryman, and he went out. And as I said, it wasn't on the East Pier, but he went west to the West Pier and he didn't see it there either. So it was kind of, there was obviously something was amiss. And so he kind of drove around for a while on the boat. But when he was coming in, then he saw um, a rope on the water and... I think that's then when the, the, the Coast Guard and all that was called. And um, they were found then. So my brothers and um, Catherine's husband, um, they went down searching the shorelines and it was actually they themselves that, that found mom and dad. I think that the coat that mom was wearing had, it kind of had ballooned with the air. Yeah. And... Um, I think then that's, you know, they, they found both of them and they were both fairly close. And as I said in the article, it's there's a strip of land, it'd be our farm, going from the house down and they were found down there. So it's pretty ironic that they were found. But we were very lucky that it was so close. But it was very poignant then, like I was at home, obviously. I wasn't, uh, I was molly coddled. I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Um, and Catherine and Mary... Mary came down, she was married at the time, so she came over and, um, you know, you were watching the helicopter going around and then it stops. And so we kind of knew then, and it was Catherine's husband came up then to to say they were gone. So, I, you know, sometimes you kind of think, right, this isn't going to end good, but at the same time, you don't expect something like that. And one of the things that I remember then when we got the news, I was on the phone to um, my dad's brother in Dublin, Jimmy Jack, as he was known around here. And there was neighbours actually coming in the door. So obviously it had filtered around that quick and there was people actually walking in as I was talking to my aunt in Dublin. Um, And I suppose it's like nowadays, you hear the helicopter and you kind of wonder, and maybe that time when it was so close, like anybody living on that side of the island or even on the north side of the island anyway, would have seen it and probably would have realised where it was. Um, and I suppose then it was, well, I suppose the news just went around um, and and that was the that was the start of the beginning of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But as I said, we were lucky like that we had a good start and... Do you know where we were the way we are today because of them, even though the young ones were like the Emer was the youngest now and she was only eight. Yeah. And like they went up, she was eight, Derek was ten, uh Lorraine was eleven or twelve. And it just you know, we went up in line. Yeah, we're like steps of so, stairs, as they'd say. 
we we were really yeah like the first five of us were between December '69 and Donald's April '74. So the first five of us, and then she had a, a bit of a break, and then the other five came um, came after. Yeah. So tell me about mum and dad. They they were both Harringtons. She, he was an Islander, and she was Hawaiian. <laughs> She wasn't actually no. Um, oh. mom was from Alihis. I, well, I could get in. I could get in trouble for that. Dad. She was you from the could, Western Paris. That's like saying a Liverpool <laughs> Manchester. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. No, she was uh, Harrington from Alihis. And funny enough, her her mother was uh, Harrington, who married a Harrington as well. Do you so know what? It's, it's either Harrington it's, or Murphy down. <laughs> Harrington, Murphy or O'Sullivan down that part of the world. <laughs> You're the second person actually that said that to me today, <laughs> especially about the Harrington and Murphys. Uh, well, you um, see, I used, to, I used whenever I was working in Castle Down Bear, which I used to be from time to time, I used to stay in Titches. So that's where you'd get the, the oh, whole history. I used to get the whole history from down there. But tell me about them. Yeah. Tell me about them. Dad was a native islander. Yeah, um, dad was born and reared. Um, he was one of five brothers um, or five boys. And um, mom was 26, actually, when they got married. And she was 26 when she had Catherine. So I suppose back then it was, uh, they were older than a lot of couples would have been. So she did well to have 10 children after the age of 26. I had my second at 26. Um, but, you know, mom was, how would you explain? Mom was, she was a working woman, but she was never happier than when she was doing something for her children yeah. or doing something in the farm, milking the cows. Um, and then dad would be out trying to make the money to support the 10 children. You know, he did a bit of fishing. He used to scallop with his boat. He had the dredge on it and do a bit of salmon fishing back in the day when it was loud. And and then he'd do stints with the DOD um, when they needed extra help with maintenance or whatever. Because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they used to be camps would come down here every summer, so obviously there was a lot of maintenance work, um, and then obviously then he had the farm and there'd always be something done. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did they but meet? if mom, they met, um, they met in the mainland at a dance, as far as I know. Do you know when you're young, you kind of don't think of the importance of some of these stories, <laughs> and um, I like I'm presuming that that's the way everybody would have met back then. Um, would have been at a dance and um, she, like she was I suppose I know I'd be very biased but they were both very good looking people yeah. um, when you see photographs of them when they were young before they got married yeah. and so yeah mom was from Alihis but actually the morning of the wedding um, mom's brother was driving her to the church and the car broke down and so she was like, she was very late for the wedding, but he stayed, but he did say to her, when my sister got married, Mary in 91, um, he had her to the church nearly a quarter of an hour before because he said there was no daughter of his was going to keep a, a man waiting at the altar. Because I think he had, a, he had a, a long time waiting for mom to arrive. So, uh, you know, he, he made fun into things like that. It, you know, he, he'd bring things into like stories we'd be telling and, you know, you'd be looking at photographs and seeing what a character he was. And we were known as, we well, he would have been known as Donald Jack. Um, so we're all still known as the Jacks, even with our married names. We're still, I'm still. Everybody Andrew has Jack. the second name down, down yeah. there, don't yeah, yeah. they? To tell yeah, you, that's, yeah. that's because, all, and remember Titch telling me this, this was all about the all the different O'Sullivan's, Harrington's and Murphy's. They were known as the, the Jocks or 
the or the jacks or the mix yeah. to tell them all apart, like to to. to yeah. <laughs> for a lot of people, Harrington, Harrington is a strange name here, but to us, it's it's not. You know, okay. I suppose that you have that everywhere. Yeah, you have. Now, island life. You, you were never t- tempted to leave. Lots of young people did. <laughs> Well, I I suppose I was. I did um I did a year in the CIT, yeah. um so I did my leave research in June of nineteen ninety, and I did a year in CIT, and I was in Bantry um for a while, and then um when I found out I was pregnant with Keen, um I came back home, and then when Keen was about three, I thought you know maybe maybe I need to see what's out there, so we went to Cork. Um, and as I said, he was only three, but he hated it. And any time I came home, he'd still be screaming in Glengarf to go back home, as in back here. So I thought I can't be doing this. And I gave in and I came home and I've been here ever since. And, you know, I'm glad, uh, but I do think you need to leave the island to know whether it's where you want to be. It's it's like somebody visiting. They think, oh, this is wonderful you know, they come in the summer and they think it's great and there's people around and there's yeah. things happening. But I think you need to live a winter or you need to experience a winter. Say it is bleak enough to, now no, in the middle of the winter, is it? It can be, yeah. 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 It, well, it can be. Now, we're very lucky. Um, our Both our ferries are very good and we're closer to the mainland than a lot of islands. Yeah. And a lot of people would have their own boats. Now, it still comes with hazards Um, in this day. Like, we're trying to get a pontoon on the island. I'd say we could be one of the few islands around the place that doesn't have a pontoon for the small boats. Mm-hmm. So even my husband bought a boat last year. She's, I think, did he say 22 or 25 foot? Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going if I'm going on to her, then it's a matter of clobbering over a few other boats. And I know the smaller punts that'll be up higher, they have to go down a ladder at low tide and try to clamber on. So like... We still have struggles, yeah. Um, and you'd like to see something done about that mm. before you have an accident. Going back to, mm. you know, people sitting on the rock that mom and dad were on, and then they put up a light after. Yeah. You what, know, what's, what's, um, what's the population now, Anne Marie? So the population is going down. It's probably around one hundred and seventy-five, one hundred and eighty now. Right. Um, now there is there is a few extra in the national school this year. Um, I couldn't tell you now how many exactly, but. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's great to see like there was four started in junior infants this year, which is great. And there was two girls left in Ashley School for secondary. One went to Bear Community School and that's um, Emily Murphy. And then uh, Lena McCarthy went to, she's gone to boarding school in Dingle to the Gaeltacht. Um, so the numbers are kind of, you know, they're, they're hovering around. Yeah. But it's nice living in somewhere small like this because... Um, like somebody of a young age could have a conversation with somebody of an older age. And this is one thing I said to Ashling, you know, if you go to the bar and there's nobody your age, then at least there's somebody there that you can talk to because you know each other from a small age, you know, when you're growing up. Um, and you, you have to be like that because it's not easy. The nightlife obviously on the island is like it's great and we're lucky we have two, um, two bars and we're really lucky and right. there's things to do. But for the younger crowd, like 
like when we were younger, we get to go to the mainland and go to the Wheelin to discos or the Bear Bay, oh, and we oh, could go nearly every Saturday the night. Yeah. I remember the, the Wheelin. Wheelin. <laughs> I played the Wheelin yeah. for goodness' sake. I did. So well, there you go. <laughs> I was probably there listening to. <laughs> Could well have been. Yeah. And the bear and the bear. We had our, and, the, and San, San yeah, and Bernardino played every last wedding was ever held in the bear. Yeah. <laughs> God, oh my God, yeah. Do you know, it's great to think back to when you're young. We had a Bear Island corner. I don't know now if that's something you would remember, but uh, there was a corner in the Wheel Inn. It would have been the furthest corner away once you come in the door down at the the far end, but opposite to where, the, where you would have been playing. There was a and gang, there all always Bear Islanders. Islanders, yeah. Always, always Islanders, yeah. And <laughs> I remember yeah. talking to somebody one day, she married an Islander and she said, the, the day that she was um, asked into that corner, she found it very nervous because anybody, like, there was sit- people sitting there and Brian was walking, they just left. It was like, it was, <laughs> I don't know why it was very funny. It was like, it was yeah. known. Yeah. I used to play in the Bear Bay a lot as well. Jim Kosky was, yeah. was the fellow who ran the place up there. There was always a gang of Islanders in one of them corners too. You, you yeah. came ashore and you kind of hung around together. We did, yeah. I suppose we came together and when it came to the Will Inn, like we'd be landed at the pontoon and we'd have to walk then from there. So we kind of always just stayed together. Mm-hmm. Um, now it doesn't, that's not the case anymore now if they, whenever, like it's not often that they get to town now, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, it's just because the numbers aren't there and, you know, there was, it would have been a huge, I remember one bank holiday Monday, there must have been around 65 or 70 on the ferry because like, obviously you'd have visitors as well um, but we always did we always stayed together um, which was good in its own way but then at the same time you should mix and that's what happens now now I think if there was a boat to town and a lot some of us older ones went I think we probably would still stay together whereas the the younger generation will go off and they'll meet their own friends and, and that um, which they need to do yeah you do a bit but, of um, broadcasting yeah, bit... I'm told me I too it's very strange to be on this side because normally I'm, I'm the one asking questions um, and I will say um, if I hadn't started on Bear Island Community Radio I probably wouldn't be on the phone to you now because um, I would have been so nervous so it has done um, something amazing for me. So Bear Island um, Community Radio airs every Sunday and um, Mass goes out. It's broadcast live at 10 o'clock. And then after that, there's what's called Bear Island Discs. So somebody just plays um, so many songs. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For the, you know, just between the end of mass and yeah. the start of the show, and so then the program is called Bear and Beyond is from eleven to one, right. and we'd have pre-records and we'd have live interviews, and you know, you try to get as much like not just the island but around Bear, mm-hmm. and it's great because I know it connects with people that are living away, yeah, um, like there's people living now or that, that live in America and Australia and everywhere else that can tune in because it goes out online. It's on FM, but it's only FM like around Beira. Yeah, I think yeah, I got yeah. it actually just at the top of the Couthon one day, but it's it's more local. So <laughs> I know yeah. the reference. Like, I top, of the, it? top of the Couthons, like picking it up in County Clare, do you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's so but lovely. I remember... Go on, go on, keep going. I remember when I started on it, like I had butterflies in my stomach. And I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? But um, it's brought me to this now because there's no way I would have been able to to speak before this. So I must thank Bear Island Community Radio for that. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to speak with you, Anne-Marie. I am. Um, thank you very much, PJ. It was lovely. Lovely yeah. chat. And do you know what? I, it, I, I'm sure my island hopping is done now with winter coming, but I know that next summer I'll get over because I want to see that studio and I want to meet. I, want, I had The last time I was on... The island was for a sad occasion of a funeral, so I don't want to. Go, I want to go back there at a happy time and have a pint oh, yeah. and meet yeah. people. So I will see you yeah. sometime in when when probably in the springtime. Do very good. Um, you can hold on to my number. Give me a shout when you're coming down, and you'll be welcomed by right. the whole island. Anne Marie, take care of yourself. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness me, Anne Marie Harrington, one of ten kids, um, whose parents perished in an accident in 1992, and I remember covering it in the newsroom. Um, we It was, a, as you can imagine, back in 1992, October 1992, it was a huge, huge story for our then very young newsroom, I think just myself and, and Barry, and was John Murray still there? I can't remember. Oh, my goodness, lovely to talk to her. Um, and beautiful people over on Bear Island and a lovely part of, of West Cork. I remember playing dozens of gigs. I played dozens of gigs in in, in Castletown Bear uh, over the years in the Bear Bay and in, in the Wheel Inn. My God, the Wheel Inn. God. Thanks, Edmary. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. You know you can live 
in paradise on the other side of the world and you can be at the top of your game in your job and you can be as happy as the day is long. But they'll always pick you up on something. Hello, PJ. John Carney's brother, Glenn, here. Myself and the wife have found a new drinking game for the next time we're on the phone to him. (laughs) Take a drink every time he says, mate. If you missed it, we will uh, podcast that that interview with John Carney. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn. Glad you enjoyed hearing from the, the brother in the land of wonder down under. 0818 96 96 96. We're all a bit scared of the electricity bills as winter approaches. We're going to get three more credits of 150 euro, not 200 like we got last year. 150, one before Christmas and two after Christmas, which hopefully will be a help, but it's just one of the things that parents are worried about. Parents of small children are worried about in particular. Like yesterday, you'd remember that I got an email from Katie, who had been over the budget and said, what the hell is in this for us? They're a middle-income family, and Katie just felt there was nothing there for them. And I did put that to Minister Simon Coveney when he was on the show. The child benefit is staying, the, the main payment is staying as it is. There'll be a double payment paid before Christmas of 280 per child and there'll be the double Christmas, you get a bonus at Christmas, don't you, as well? And then there's an extension updating. There are some changes in child benefit. There's a reduction in childcare costs by another 25%, but not until next year. Kaz Mooney has been crunching all the numbers to do with families and Kaz, you don't think it'll make much of a, of a difference to most families, will it? Good morning. There will. Good morning. Um, there will be some differences, um, but the very small changes really to a lot of families, mm. um, and a lot of those changes we're not going to see until September. So the likes of the free school books for secondary school is welcomed. Um, and then also um, the reduce, reduction in childcare costs, but again, not until September. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the the amazing things they announced aren't so amazing as soon as you start to think about yeah. the timeline. To be fair, yeah. and, and, and they were hard selling this yesterday, the government were, they were hard selling the extension of free books to secondary school and they were hard selling the fact that they brought childcare down by 50%, but like that in the story, not until next year. Yeah, and no real um, help either for making sure that there's enough childcare providers, which is such a big problem right now as well. Mm. So, you know, I I, I think the timeline is, is really difficult, especially as we're going into the winter now, and it's, it's really a big struggle for a lot of families. So mm-hmm. it's that way to now see how long it's going to take before we do see an effect on our budget. Well, Katie, who wrote to me yesterday morning, having read over all the budget, she particularly pointed out that last year, and they have a... They have one of these modern air-to-water systems. Um, their winter electricity bills were €2,000 all for two bills. People yeah. were terrified that happening again. It probably won't be as big this year because prices have started to go down a bit, but people will be worried about it. They've started to come down, but I don't know as much as the the credit has come down either, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, I do think it will have time will tell to see if the energy credit will help as much as we hope it will, because um, I would like to see them come down a bit more. 
but yeah, it's it's very difficult right now. It's and a lot of the changes they've made. Um, I don't know how it's going to help long term over throughout the winter and and then on into next year. Mm. Talk about the child benefit because the double payment of two eighty per child this side of Christmas again it'll help but it won't last. Yeah, like I am delighted to see that they are doing something with child benefit, but I really feel like they should have topped up the child benefit a little bit more and instead of even doing the bonus because long term that would help so much more. I know even a 10 euro extra going into the next year then would help more, do you know, because you'd be able to budget a little bit more each month and it would help families a lot more whereas I know a lot of families that extra may just get swallowed up by the winter bills this year. It's it's interesting you you make the point or you've been making the point that an extra 10 euro a month would probably Mm -hmm. of more benefit and if you take the the 280 double payment that's an extra 140 which is more than a tenner a month if you spread it over the year. It is, but unfortunately, a lot of people won't spread it out over the year. And the other thing is, no, no. Thing what is, I, what I meant is, Kaz, what I meant is, in terms of the accounting, and I'm, you're, you're probably better at doing these sums than I am. <laughs> but in terms of the accounting, they've given each child an additional hundred and forty once in the year. Yes. But they could give each yeah. child an extra ten or a month would probably cost them yeah. the same amount of money. Exactly. It wouldn't be much more this year. Um, But for families, it would mean that you would know you would get more next year as well. Yeah. Like if you you have three or four kids, like that's an extra 40, 50 a month. That's that's a bit part of a school uniform or something. Yeah, it wouldn't have cost the government any more, but it would have been, I feel, more of a help to families. Yeah, it's a very good point that that you make. Do you think that, and again, this this the stuff you do now, you've written a book about budgeting and all that, that it's, hard, it's so hard for a small, for a family with small children to get themselves through this cost of living crisis. Has the it budget, is. do you think the budget's taken that into account enough? Um, no, I think uh, there really needed to be a lot more support with childcare. It's a massive issue, especially for anybody trying to return back to work. Um, and then I really am concerned for uh, carers and anybody who has children with disabilities that need extra support. There wasn't really much in that budget for them. And then anybody who has a small business, there was nothing for businesses, really, unless you were a massive business in this budget. Mm -hmm. Um, And increasing the minimum wage is only going to put more pressure on these businesses. So I am concerned how that's going to look for families over the winter as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think sometimes they forget how many businesses and how many families are dependent on supports. Um, and there was really nothing there in the budget for small businesses, which do take up a lot of Irish jobs. In fact, I was talking yesterday to members of the the childcare sector, as I have done frequently in the last few months, and one of them said to me, I honestly think, she said, they'd love to close us all down. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm hearing the same as well. Like, there's, I had one lady reach out and she said she didn't see a future for Irish childcare, which is really concerning as a mother of kids because it was something that stopped me going back to work. And I think it's really, it's really difficult on both sides. It needs a whole reform, to be honest. Mm. This has turned into your full-time job now, hasn't it? I mean, you took a career break. Remind me again, because I know we've talked before. Remind me again, you took a career break and then started started kind of doing this as something of a hobby. And now it's a yeah, book of business did. for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, took a career break because I couldn't pay for childcare. I couldn't afford it. And um, while I was going down from two incomes to a single income, I started to document my journey online and share, like, the ways we were able to make that work basically and it just started to grow from there and I'm yeah I'm lucky enough to now call this my job. Mm. Remind me again of the title of the book. The title is Kaz Mooney's Budgeting Planner. Kaz Mooney's and the uh, your social media is at Irish Budgeting. It is yeah. A daily update videos and little little reminders and all that. Great talking to you again. <laughs> Kaz, and Thank you, Peter. I, uh, great talking, great uh, thinking points for families. Appreciate that. That's Kaz Mooney. You'll find her at Irish Budgeting, and her book is out there. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Families on the face of it, like she said, on the face of it, Budget Twenty Four reads reads well for families. But when you dig down, this. And they are making big headlines out of it. Oh, we've cut the cost of childcare by 50%. You might have. You might well have. But not until next year. And free books for secondary school. Well, that's welcome. And as was the free books for primary school last year, which kind of went under my radar because I don't have primary school kids anymore. It's welcome, but it's next year. So a lot of stuff is not going to happen until next year, which the accountants call multi-annual budgeting. Most people listening to it just think, well, we'll have to wait for that. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. The Big Drive Home with Izzy Showbizzy. On Cork's 96 FM. Join me weekdays from 4pm for more of the best Cork news. Tourism Ireland welcomes the news that Cork is voted second friendliest city in Europe. I normally don't like being in second place, but I am happy about the fact that we've beaten Dublin. I'll be taking your requests for the takeover. Hi Izzy, Bernie here from Glamire. Great to see you back. Absolutely sounding fantastic. Hopefully you can really play me something from Dermot Kennedy. And we'll have more of the best tunes too. Join me weekdays from 4pm. The Big Drive Home. You can drive me home. With Clonakilty Food Company. Be prepared for any mealtime with Clonakilty's delicious sausages, rashes and puddings. Clonakilty, a family of great taste. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. There's a thing after the budget the other day. We were all expecting protests at Leinster House for the budget and hopefully not a repeat what happened two weeks before and there was a ring of steel to use that awful cliche around government buildings but some fella got in this came out last night some guy got in and he was arrested he got into the Taoiseach's department and he was going around looking to speak to Leo Varadkar 
about something that Leo said six years ago. I, I'm not too sure what the details were because the guards won't tell us. They say they won't comment on a case that's before the courts. But he was brought to court and all that. But he got into Leo's department after the budget. But there was no sign of who we thought there might be a sign of on the day of, of the budget, which was no bad thing. Didn't really want those scenes again. They were awful the first time. On the budget itself, anything in it for you and your family, Louise? Good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Very well. Anything there for you? My son got €10 euro or light on his domiciliary allowance. Okay. Other than that, and the electricity credits. Other than that, not really, no. No. Okay. Okay. Um, they said that they were putting money into disability services, right? My son is in um, disability services here in Mallow. Right. And um, he he has autism. Okay. And... I rang them last week. Now, the two ladies on our team are fantastic to deal with, right? They're brilliant. We have um, an educational psychologist as well for school. And I can't say enough about the people who I deal with all the time. But there's 9,000 children in North Cork waiting or in the services, and we have one physiotherapist. Give me that number again. 9,000? 9,000 children under the age of eight, we say up to up to secondary school level. Right. And there's one physiotherapist. Good God. Good yep. Lord. Now, I was talking to Simon Coveney yesterday and I, I put it I to I heard him. 64 million allocated for additional services. But if I'm reading correctly, and I think I was over the weekend, he's being told, or Stephen Donnelly was being told, no, we need 300 million. Yeah, that's not enough. That's not enough, like for children with special needs. Mm. It isn't like, I mean, one physiotherapist. Sure, how is she supposed to get through all those people? You know. You know, someone had to go abroad as well, did you? My son, yeah, he he was in um, MTU here. And next of all, he told us that he was thinking of doing a master's when he was finished. So we said, great, so this was lockdown. So he was upstairs and he was kind of, um, he was researching different colleges. And it was €25,000 in Galway. So my husband said to him, would you not, like, he he loves Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Like, we're big Man, Man United followers. So my husband said to him, would you not try Salford? He said, in Manchester. So Liam went on anyway, and he went he went researching this. He applied to the college, and it was £15,000. Sterling. For his master's. So, like, that's a, for his master's, yeah. So that's about 20,000 euros. So it was cheaper for him to go to it Manchester. It was cheaper for him to go away, yeah. And, and, and what about, yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, yeah, going to Galway is one thing, 25 grand that's in Galway. It. But accommodation, forget it. He, 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 he wouldn't have been able to get accommodation here. She does nothing. Yeah. And he has, he has no reason to come back here. He said that he'll come back when he's 30, which will be five years' time. But where, where did he stay when he was doing his master's in Manchester? He stayed in kind of a college house. Right. Um, he went online and he just said hello and gave his details and that he was thinking of moving that would anybody know of anywhere and um, this girl got back to him and he stayed there for a year I think his rent was something like £200 a month wow yeah and then himself and his partner now um, rent state of the art new new um, apartment in Salford for seven hundred and fifty pounds a month, like you get, and it's everything is new. It's only built, yeah. 
maybe 1100 euro to push yeah, yeah. so like he he has no reason to and come they, are they working now they work they're working yeah they're both working and he's still studying yeah <sighs> two so, bedroom brand new and i know i know yeah. that part of mention two brand new two bedroom new. apartment one bedroom one bedroom okay it's a one bedroom it's yeah a one but bedroom, it, okay. everything is brand new brand new brand apartment new. yeah 1100 euro a month yeah a bit less i'd say yeah, yeah. and they're, they're doing very well over there and like even the price of their groceries over there are nothing like compared to ours. Really? Yeah. Nothing. He he often rang us up from the supermarket, and he'd show us like even washing powder and things. Yeah. Do you know now, like five pounds, five pounds over there, and a box of washing powder I picked up last week in the supermarket was sixteen euro. Yeah. Where what? Whew. Yeah. Where were you no, going? Anyway. Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's. Uh, he got Sainsbury's, I think. Yeah. yeah. And um, what's the there's another big shop over. Oh my Morrison's husband, no, 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 no. Morrison's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love Sainsbury's. I'm always jealous that I they have well, Sainsbury's actually. and we don't. <laughs> yeah. I do as well. We went to Sainsbury's and we were in Scotland. It was fabulous. Yeah. Very good value there. So they've no, they have no plans to... And uh, he's working and studying, is it? He's working and studying, yeah. He's just finishing his paper now for his master's. Great. And did, and, he, did uh, he, what, is he... Is the job related to his qualifications or is he just putting he himself... Yes, yeah. He has a job in business now and everything, yeah. So Fair, he's quite happy and he's earning He's earning a lot of money for and, his age. And, and did he, is his partner from here or did he meet him over there? He, no, she's from here, yeah. She she went over to him. So they're quite happy now with Boston. And they have a good standard of living over there. Do you miss them, though? Ah, uh, sure you would. He'd be home now for Christmas. Do you feel, Louise, they were forced into it or is it just something that young people He was do? forced into it. He was forced into it. No, he was thinking of going to Australia. Yeah. Like, there's nothing here for, like, people Liam's age. There isn't. Yeah. Like, unless, no, unless they get a job here, like, a good job here to pay them. Like, But, I mean, they're never going to live out of home here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Unless yeah. like they get married, we say, and are maybe a few years older, but they are forced to go away. Like I know some some people choose to go away, <laughs> but I I think I think mostly that they're forced to go away. Yeah, yeah. I I mentioned it yesterday. My my own daughter is heading away now in January for for a, two years. I miss her desperately, but we were having we were having a chat about it, you know. And she wants to go. She has secured a job there. It'll be a well-paid job in a place she wants to see. She wants to see more of the world. She it doesn't feel too. she doesn't feel forced. But she said, "Well, there ain't a whole pile here for me, Dad. I love my there job, isn't. but I, I can't buy a house. Couldn't dream of buying a house. You couldn't buy a house here. You yeah. couldn't. Like they'll have no like even for them trying to save up for um for a deposit. Just not like it's not. And then they're building all these." social housing buildings that, and they're calling them affordable homes but should they're still 300,000 euro yeah, yeah. Should it, how, like you would never have that paid off I know, I know. it's crazy I yeah. don't know do I don't know what's going feel, on do you feel a bit aggrieved about it about my son going away yeah what yeah, about the situation in which he found himself you know um, aggrieved no I wouldn't say aggrieved because he's quite happy yeah. And we're and like we're we're glad that he's happy and settled over there. But like if they want to go away, great. If they don't want to go away, it's hard going I'd say for families. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um he's he's quite happy there now. And like they have a good life there, do you know? Yeah. So that's Do you that's think they'll come back too. eventually? He said he will when he's thirty, but um 
he loves coming home, like, and he loves going back then as well. Do you yeah. know now? Yeah, he kind of has two homes now. Plus, yeah, he, can, plus he can go to Old Trafford every so often. Oh, he, he's constantly in Old Trafford. Every home game he's there. <laughs> Good for every you. home game he's there, yeah. You, he, miss him, you miss him terribly, but you're happy for him, I think. I miss him terrible, but, like, we're happy that he's happy and settled over there yeah. and in a good job and it's quite safe where he is, so... Yeah. Look and, it's only, any it's and it's only an hour away too, like that. When you think there it is, there it is, really. But right. uh, just uh, come with Christmas, don't come home. I know. All right. Listen, look after yourself, Louise, and give give them my regards when you're talking to them. That's Louise in in Mallow Field. Look, he's happy in Manchester. Doing well in Manchester, but he went there because he felt there were no options for him here. You'd wonder how many people who are doing the sort of I'll go away for two years thing are doing it because they feel there's nothing here for them now. How many of them are going away and they're getting good jobs and they're very happy and they're earning well and they're enjoying a different country and maybe a different continent and they're happy and contented over there and they're enjoying themselves. But how many of them, given half a chance, would have stayed? It's an interesting question. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. There's a message just in there about Irish soldiers uh, currently billeted in Lebanon. We are still over there. We still have a presence over there. 25 years ago for for next January I visited uh, the Irish uh, operation in, in Lebanon I was absolutely fascinated by it and I've never lost an opportunity to talk about it since and how wonderful it was and how fantastic the work they were doing in what is a stunningly beautiful but very troubled part of the world I'll get to that message in a while because what I'm reading is somewhat uh, disturbing I also have a call in about creches Slightly controversial view, maybe, but we'll see. 0818969696, the number, the text or WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Your email, opinion at 96fm.ie. It's also worth reminding you that if there's something you think we should be talking about, pick up any one of those platforms and get onto us, because, yeah, we we talk about anything you want, but you get to set the agenda. So if we're not talking about it and you think we should be, then you know where we are. The Ryder Cup, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I would talk about it here the morning after the, the lads won out in Rome. And I remember texting young Mr. Murdoch, um, gold Imro award winning radio DJ of the year, um, uh, that afternoon. And he was saying to me, Jesus, you know, he said, we should all try to go to Adair in 2027 for the crack when it comes here. And I'm thinking, yeah, at these accommodation prices, no. I'd want to sell a kidney for them. But the thing is, they're not actually selling very well. There's a a special website called Accommodation for the Event, which sells houses or rents houses out for events like the Ryder Cup. Now, I would think 
It's only October 2023. The Ryder Cup is September stroke of October 2027. Amy Malloy, public affairs correspondent with the Irish Independent. Is it common practice for places to be sold out four years or to be selling four years in advance? Morning, Amy. Morning, PJ. Uh, no, well... I don't think so, but I also think, don't think it's very normal or commonplace for, for houses to be advertised for up to €85,000 for, for a little over a week. Um, like some of the, the houses on offer, they're, they're very nice places, but I don't think a lot of people will be willing to fork out between 40000 and 85000 for for somewhere to stay, um, especially when you can get kind of nice hotels um, in the area, which might work out a lot cheaper than that as well. I'm looking at one here actually in Nina County Tip. It's... it's listed for 85,000 for 10 days and it has um, accommodation for up to 7 people, a sauna a gym, a bar there's also a driver to and from the Ryder Cup park and ride every day breakfast and evening dinner every day and they'll arrange tea times in nearby golf courses for you 85,000 for 10 days 8,500 people up Europe per day I guess if you were to break it down into 7 people you're still paying over a grand a day. But then if the golf professionals have money coming out their armpits. like Exactly. And I think most of the professionals and avid golf fans who will be looking to travel over here for the Ryder Cup will, will already have been kind of pricing up hotels and stuff in the area and probably wouldn't want to stay in places that are going to be about an hour or a drive away from the venue. Like, you know, there's houses in Galway being advertised in this site, houses in Kerry, and also places in North Cork. Um, yeah. So, like, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be transport organised for them with a lot of the places. But, um, you know, we, we've even seen kind of like three bed family houses in Rathkeel being put up on the site. So everyone's kind of trying to get in on the act. But um, from, from speaking to different people, I think I contacted around 30 people this week who actually put their houses up on the site. Not mm. one of them have had calls. Um, last year we did a similar article because a number of people had their houses up in Kilkenny when the Irish Open was on in Mount Juliet and none of them ended up renting out their houses. Um, mm. Like I, When I spoke to some of the people, they said that they were kind of guided to, to look for kind of big, these big prices because, you know, hotels always bump up their prices when there's any major event on. So like they were kind of being advised, well, look, you might as well just kind of chance it and see what happens. But mm. I think they, they, they forked out 200 euro for these adverts, but... Um, Unfortunately for them, they yeah. they didn't get much uptake. It yeah. seems about about two hundred euros. Two hundred ninety five is the standard price, but there was an early board of one hundred ninety five euro to put your property up there. Looking at some of some of the cork stuff that's available for the Ryder Cup twenty twenty seven, like that's four bedrooms in Charleville twenty nine thousand for ten. I presume they're all for ten days. Charleville three bedrooms, Kentork four bedrooms forty five thousand, Middleton five bedrooms. 40,000, Grenada, 50,000 for a five-bedroom. Like, you'd make a fine hole in your mortgage if someone actually takes it off you, wouldn't you? Definitely, and I think that that's the thing now. Like, some people, like, even when I rang them up, like, they were nearly kind of embarrassed um, by the fact that they were seeking these big sums of money yeah, for yeah, their who houses. Who gives them but... the price, Amy, do you know? Do, do do they decide their own price, or does the website, accommodation for the event... Do... Uh, it seems to be that the people putting up the adverts um, seek their price, but some some of the people I spoke to last year who had their houses up for the for the uh, Irish Open in Mount Julia said that when they spoke to the owner of the site, he kind of guided them a little bit as to what to charge, and mm. some of them had their houses up for 
around 15,000 and 20,000. Now, when I spoke to the owner of the site this week, he said, look, it's, it's totally up to, to the owners of the houses, what the, what price they put on it. So I think maybe once three or four adverts were put up and people were, were seeking these eye-watering prices, any other people who came after that and were trying to put up adverts probably thought, sure, look, I'll add another 20 grand and see what's the harm. And like, 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 one of the guys I spoke to had a house in Charleville and he said, look, I'm not a betting man. I never bet on horses. So I just said, I'd, I'd take a bet on something like this and sure, if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but I suppose some people are kind of a bit aggrieved that they, they paid 200 euro for, for an advert and didn't get any calls yeah. whatsoever. Look, they're still four years away, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was one lady I spoke to and um, she has a house in, in Limerick, kind of just about 20 minutes from Adair, but she said that she actually put an advert up in October 2021 and she still still hasn't received 20, any calls. Well, I'm not, 2021? Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, she's had value for her money if she's not, I mean, if she only paid the one fee for the advert, she's had value for her money now. Yeah, and she, and she actually asked the site owner if he could maybe bump up her house because she felt that it had fallen down the list a bit too much. So um, I think he might have done that as a favour for her. But look, I suppose a lot of people, like some people kind of just felt like, you know, it was a, a kind of chance your arm thing. But then there's other people who are a bit more kind of aggrieved thinking, you know, they thought that there might actually be a lot more interest in their properties. Um, but that doesn't be, seem to be the case. Um, and now the average prices have gone up another extra hundred euro when I asked the owner of the site why this was he said well it's costing more now to kind of promote and, uh, and put houses up in advertisements and stuff like that but um, yeah I think some people just kind of feel like it kind of may have been sold as this opportunity to make a bit of extra money um, but I think realistically a lot of them probably their houses um, they won't be getting too many emails or inquiries and uh, some of the adverts I, one of them I saw a guy his, the, his selling point was that um there's ample space to land your helicopter. I so saw that. They're, they're, yeah, they're really trying to target um, the people with the money, I suppose, with these properties. And look, there's plenty of them that are absolutely gorgeous houses and, and places you, you'd love to say were your own, but there's also kind of some more modest houses on it, um, like three beds in kind of Limerick City and stuff yeah, like that. Like, are like, being like, no, no disrespect to a three-bedroom semi in Charleville, but I don't think Rory McIlroy is going to rent that out, you know? <laughs> No, I don't think. And these people are like, they, they, they have their accommodation lined up. And I, I like I even spoke to someone from the Irish Self-Catering Federation and they just said that these prices have been sought are totally unrealistic. And, you know, there'll be a lot of kind of um, cottages and apartments and stuff that'll be rented out to uh, kind of much more reasonable prices. So it'll, it remains to be seen. But when I spoke to the site owner, he said that he was aware of some people who had had received bookings, but... When I asked him to, to send on the data, he said that they don't have any locked in data, so to speak. So he couldn't give me exact figures for how many properties um, had been rented out. But any people I spoke to anyway haven't had a call or, or as much as an email. OK, Amy, thanks. We'll catch up again because it's four years away. If anybody has put their house up on this site, I'd love to talk to you. Has anybody had any bites yet? Or as soon as you do get a bite, let us know. Crazy day. If you could thought you had the house and you thought you could give it over to someone for 10 grand for 10 days, wouldn't you take it? You absolutely would. 0818 96 96 96. Book yourself a holiday in the sun for, for that 10 days or whatever. The rental would pay for it and you'd have plenty of money to watch the Ryder Cup on a big screen in some nice warm place. Thanks, Amy. Now, I'm going to read this. This is to do with the budget. 
Um, and then I'll do the the Lebanon one, which is it's after upsetting me a little bit because I know and I've been out there. But this one is listening to the childcare sector uh, about the cost of childcare and and all of that. So, in my opinion, says this caller, in a crash, you can never get the family care and love that you can with kids looked after at home. I'd never judge anyone, though. I don't like when people who make the choice to use a creche or childcare expect other families to pay taxes to subsidise it. Think about it. The mother has already made the decision to sacrifice her career to care for her children, and now that family income is taxed further. I honestly don't think that point is made enough in the media. So what I think I'm reading there is that the person on the end of the phone, and I'd love to talk to you if you wanted to expand on your point, last two digits of your phone number are 24. You're saying you don't agree with childcare being paid for by the taxpayer, by the state, because people who choose to stay at home and mind their children have given up a job, given up a career to do that. That's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. I'd love to think about that for a while. This caller doesn't believe that, for example, the taxpayer supporting the price of childcare, why should one person who's a taxpayer support other people's childcare choices if that taxpayer, for example, may have stayed at home and minded their own children. That's, 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 um, that's worthy of some thought, I'd say. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2, for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on another big weekend of Gaelic Games action and reaction to Ireland's World Cup quarter-final with New Zealand. Right here, right then. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2pm. On Cork's 96FM. That's one that might push some people's buttons um, on, on childcare. Happy to take your your take on it or to hear your take on it. So this particular person, I'm just repeating it, I know, because I think it might take a minute or two to sink in. This caller, and if I'm understating or if I'm misquoting, happy to take you on the air, doesn't believe that childcare should be subsidised by the taxpayer because other people have given up their careers and their jobs to mind their children at home. Caller doesn't believe a creche can ever give the love and the care that a person can give at home or that a child can get at home. And doesn't believe, I, be, I, I, I doesn't believe the taxpayer should be subsidised those decisions. Hmm. 0818-96-96-96. Baldy Barber, I'm not jealous at all. Where are you right I now? Where are you right I'm now, the, sir? I'm up in Cabaret. Ah, for God's sake, one of my favourite places. 
27 degrees. Go, okay, stop. You can stop now. You can start at four and, and three fifty. Congratulations a pint. And, and congratulations yourself last week. Well done. Thanks, well thanks, thanks very much. I know you love that part of the world very much, and 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 who could, and who could blame you? But you had a big. T- now you didn't cut this man's hair ninety years ago. Your father did. My father, eighty-seven years ago. Wow. Uh, my father, very eighty-seven years of business. Michael O'Brien from Ballyhean originally came into the shop in the Merchant's Key, number twenty Merchant's Key, when he was four years of age, and he's eighty-nine now. Wow. And uh, what they call his sons came in and his grandchildren and a great grandchild came. So they, they wanted to do a little thing last week because uh, for a wedding. So, but they call it, it was lovely. Michael walked for Ted Castles there. Uh, lovely, lovely guy. He drove buses as well. He married a girl, one of the Noonan sisters from Blackpool mm-hmm. and Noonan. Mm-hmm. And uh, happily ever after, thank God you to him. I think they're 62 years married, Michael Torpy himself. Well, so you you four generations in the shop? Four generations, yes. Yes. The one day, which was fabulous to have. Preparing, and then preparing after, for a wedding, After yeah? the show, PJ, you're after beating this person from RTE, Brendan O'Donoghue rang me to do a, a programme with them in two weeks' time. <laughs> so you're, you're, after, you're after beating them, after beating her, you know? But it was a great occasion. Um... They had a wedding Friday and everything was going great. So it was quiet in the shop with the weather and, and, and Thursday. And we got everything done perfectly. Yeah. Michael is coming in to you since you took over from your father. Yes, I, I caught his hair in Merchant's Key in 66 when I started walking with order. And uh, what they call it, I took over the shop in Blackpool in 1970. Yeah. It was started in Blackpool in 1960 by my father. So we had two shops going from 1960 up to 1980. Uh, my father dropped out at 61 years of age, 1978, mm. and uh, and then Clare Investments bought uh, uh, up up Merchant's Key, as you know, the whole lot. Mm-hmm. A lovely man, actually, was involved there, Phil O'Donovan. He was the boss man for Clare uh, Investments, mm-hmm. and he bought all of that, uh, the places that time. You, you moved so, full-time out to Blackpool? I moved full-time to Blackpool. I'm still there, 57 years at a PJ. 57 years, mm-hmm. Mick? Yeah, and 23 years ago, 15 barbershops in Cork, and now 150. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now there's all the younger people will be telling me that, you know, that there's another shop after Opie, blah, blah, blah. But should they come and go? Like, some come and some go. And yeah, and, and it must be stay. great for you then that someone like Michael and, and his family, I'm sure, come to you for so many years. Oh, yeah, it's fabulous. Another round, that's uh, the Cody brothers and Blarney, that was well. But uh, the car, that's uh, Tim, Tim Crowley and brother, his brother, Dennis. Mm. They, they, they're around 80 years as well coming to the shop as well mm. uh, they're definitely 75 anyway Jim Cody another man the bodybuilder for years I want to wish Jim well because he's, I heard coming out on the plane that he's not well okay. poor man you know lovely you, fella he, 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 was, he was big into the, the bodybuilding long ago I see you know? I see, I see. And, and but we've met some great people we've met some great people down through the years you know it's always like a family show yeah, if well, it was a I, wedding or a funeral, you knew everything about what was happening in the family. That's right. Yeah, and and the, the uh, Michael and his family came in to, in preparation for that uh, that wedding. They were getting yeah, the, the wedding, wedding, wedding right. haircuts. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Came down and a shave for a, a, a down the other woods last Friday, and I'm actually trying to ring Mary Blake. I hope she's listening to it because I want to put her in contact with Brenda or or Do you mind? Isn't they've had enough advertising out today, Mick? Yeah, yeah. So she wants to do a show with them as well. I see. And when when Brenda rang me, I said, Brenda, I said, I did a show with you 25 years ago. (laughs) What? I said, with Jerry Ryan. Oh, God, the late Jerry. Deciding to have 
<laughs> and the side in the pub, I said, say, it was all about John Travolta and Grease Lightning. <laughs> oh, she said, I tell her something, she says, you were tough. Because she was asking me uh, questions. If I gave her the answers, she'd have told Jerry. And then I'd have nothing to give to Jerry because she'd have stolen my words. She you, said, oh, you, my God, you copied that. Then. You know how this You know how this job is done, don't you? But oh, see, yeah. me, 60 years yourself, Mick, I wouldn't I have put 60 I, years yeah. in the business on you. I'm 75 now, uh, PJ, in September, and I live another three years, and I'll be 60 years. And I'm definitely going to keep the business going for yeah. another three years until I get there, even though people are saying to me, sell up, sell up, yeah. 75. Why, why should I pack up if I'm healthy enough to do a bit of work? Mm-hmm. And I'm very lucky. I have four staff, and now it's yeah. not as busy as it used to be, but we'll keep going, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're noticing, you know, more people going to Spain now for, for, for longer periods, packing up and, and getting out. I mean, you're, you're, there is oh, a little, God, yes. there's an Irish community over there in, in Cabaret oh, and Lesenia, yeah, you know? That's right. Well, we were in Paddy's Point just playing golf out in El Valle. 88 people played. It was a fundraiser yeah. for charity yeah. for uh, what they call it, Una Duffy program. Uh, uh, Memorial uh, and 88 of us played there yesterday. Yeah, they have a, they have a great uh, club actually, the Paddy's uh, Point have a great, great group. Oh, fabulous altogether. If you saw the place last night, I mean, it was buzzing, absolutely yeah. buzzing. And there is a lot, there's a, a pal of mine, Mark Hosgrave, I'm not too sure if he's back yet, but he did a summer season out in one of the pubs singing out there. There's a load of Irish people going out there to oh, live there and work. Are, yeah. Mark Hosgrave was singing, singing here for a good bit now. That's right. I think yeah. he's gone home again. Yeah. I think he's gone home again. Yeah. Very good guy, good, yeah, a, a great entertainer. And do you see a lot of people moving over? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll be going to the Randy Leprechaun out tonight to Willie Delaney. Uh, <laughs> Willie, Willie has a trial the, the night and, and every Thursday night. And you, they could be from Sweden, Norway, France, and they come in. You could have eight or ten, twelve uh, musicians playing all for nothing. The, the Randy, the Randy, the Randy Leprechaun. Leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> what a name. It is, and it Willie, is. Willie, 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 Willie's up from uh, the, the, by the barracks. Even though he was born in Bellincolic, but he's up in the barracks. He, he lived up there himself. And his yeah. brother, John Delaney. But yeah. uh, Willie travelled all over the world for years with Bell Cooper's Bell singing and going. Yeah. But uh, it's a great night. And as I say, now you go in and buy your drink and, and it's all free. Uh, no charge. You yeah. Know? yeah. What do you, you pay for a pint over there now, me? Uh, I think it's about four thirty for a pint of Guinness, someone told me, and it's three fifty for a Coors Light. Yeah, yeah. And right. I know Spanish brandy is three euro, <laughs> but that's a glass. That's only a glass, not a half one. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be you'd be fond of the old you'd be fond of the old Spanish brandy, would you? Oh, uh, well, well, you would, of course. You could always say you'd be bad to me. Any excuse? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you're up if you're up in Paddy's, give them my best because that was our local when we were in the Zenia for a, a holiday. Great yes, holiday back a few yes, years ago. I will, fabulous, of fabulous spot. Fabulous yes. spot. Give them give them my best. And they were on the show with me actually uh, once or twice as well when the place got flooded there. Baldy Barber from uh, talking to me from Cabaroy, but sixty years in business in three years, and well done and congratulations to Michael O'Brien and Yvonne and Patrick and Alex and Blake and everyone who their um four generations haircuts for the wedding at the Baldy Barbers in Blackpool. He's a great old character. Isn't that a great name? Isn't that a fantastic name? The Randy Leprechaun. But give us a little challenge. Best Irish pub or business name that you've ever come across on your travels. The Randy Leprechaun will take some will take some beating. There's a pub or there was a pub as you go into Ennis. 
in the great county Clare was called Tipsy McStaggers. I loved that. Yeah. There was a place called the Doll Bar. No, not that one. There is an actual place called the Doll Bar. But, but the best one you've ever seen, whether, whether it's here at home or whether it's abroad. I, I think my favourite would probably be Tipsy McStaggers. Um, but the Randy Leprechaun would take, take some beat. Paddy's Point was a great name too. There's a Paddy's Point in Lanzarote as well. Um, but Paddy's Point is a good one. Uh, the Randy Leprechaun, Tipsy McStaggers. Have you come across any strange ones in your travels? I'm, I must sit down now and think. I must sit down and think. Oh, I will. There was a great one. The Loafing Around Bakery. The Loafing Around Bakery. That's good. That's good. There's a place in Matagorda and Lanzarote which years ago was called Gigi's. Um, it was run by an Irish couple at the time, Kevin and Teresa, uh, or Captain Bordsey, as we called Kevin. Gigi's. It wasn't an Irish pub. It was just a lovely pub run by Irish people. And Gigi's is long gone, but it's called now Dickie Donnelly's. And I went, went out there during the summer on my holidays, and I said, I have to call and have a pint in Gigi's and all of that. And it's run, a lovely woman chatting to me about it, and I told her about being out there and it being Gigi's and Kevin and Teresa. So I'll tell you about Gigi's. I'll tell you about Gigi's. I'm here, she said, 10 years. And I still call taxis for Gigi's, even though we changed the name of the pub long ago. Here we go again. A hair salon. I like that one. An Asian restaurant called Walk This Way. That's cool. I wish I had that tune now. An Asian restaurant called Walk This Way. Florist Gump. Where are these places? Florist Gump or a bakery called Bread Pit. You're kidding me. You're making these up. Bread Pit. Florist Gump. Bread Zeppelin? No. No, no, you're making it up. Here we go again. (laughs) And the loafing around bakery. Certainly you'll find some, you'll go a long way to beat Florist Gump. Or walk this way. (laughs) Oh, bring them on, bring them on, bring them on. Tomorrow's Friday. It'd be great to have loads of suggestions. Who gives a scrap? (laughs) It's a recycling (laughs) centre. I love that one. Um, In Apple Computers, PJ, they have a walk station for staff, which is called... Waknahini. Is that what it's actually called or is that what people have christened it? I love it though. Waknahini. In Myrtle Beach in South Carolina there is a place called the, a, a late night bar called the Doghouse. I like that one, Derek. I like that one. Um, hairdresser in Glen Bay and Kerry called Curl Up and Die. There's a few of them around. Curl Up and Die with a D-Y-E. Nice one. And there's a pub in Kishkame called the Why Not? I like that too. There was a lovely pub, and I was sad to discover it's closed. There was a lovely pub in that part of the world just called, just called the Brown Pub. Great. Sherlock Holmes, a locksmith. This is a good one too. The Planet of the Grapes, a wine bar. Do like that. I do like that. Uh, but <laughs> the, the lads up at Apple Computers are winning at the moment, though, to be fair, with finding our strangest business name, Wachnahini.
Love that. Love it. I was on the number eight bus in Cork many years, many moons ago. I saw a wino standing in a doorway with a face like someone chewing a wasp, <laughs> wretched hair and grubby looking, smoking a cigarette. Right above her head was a pub called the House of Beauty. I still regret that. <laughs> John, you're a cruel man. You're a cruel, cruel man. PJ, I'm just listening there about funny business names with the number of people going to Turkey's, Turkey to get hair transplants. <laughs> They've renamed the airline Turkish Airlines. That's for Maiden. Thank you. This could start something, you know. We could have some fun with this tomorrow. We'll keep that list and read them out again in the morning, it being Friday and all of that. Uh, there was a Chinese in Cashel called the Walk of Cashel. Really? The Walk? I like that. The Chinese in Cashel are called the Walk of Cashel. And the Galway hooker, there are Galway hookers all over the place. There's a Galway hooker in, in Houston Station in Dublin. Um, but yeah, the Galway hooker. And it's a, a hook, no, it's not a, no. Well, you have to explain it for the thousandth time. No, it's got nothing to do with, 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 with that. A Galway hooker is a boat. Of course it is. On childcare, a counterpoint to that childcare question. The same logic could be... No, let's repeat it again. This is someone who contacted us this morning saying that they're not in favour of the taxpayer subsidising childcare, like where Minister O'Gorman is bringing down the price of childcare over a couple of budgets, bringing it down by 50% and all of that. Our contributor was against that because they felt, well, what about the person who goes home, takes time out of their career, raises their own children, minds them in their own house? Why should they then pay more taxes to subsidise somebody else's childcare? PJ, a counterpoint on that. Same logic could be used by those people that don't have children, full stop, yet their taxes are used to pay child benefit every month. Not complaining about that, as I have three children myself who've all been through creche. But the old adage of you can't have your cake and eat it comes to mind, just an observation. Well, I would have heard, of, no, over the years I would have heard people say, well, why should I pay taxes towards somebody else's children's allowance when I don't have children? But that, you see, is the beauty of universal, universal um, payments. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Got a cracking gate name, a great name for a board game. Uh, certainly uh, an unusual and one, one, one could, that could only be Irish. I'll give you that in a sec and talk to the man behind it, but... I'm going to read this now and I'm happy to come back to it. It might be something we need to take up with um, with Defence Forces Press because it, it, it does concern me a bit. Having been to Lebanon in 1999 and having toured extensively the area where they were based or are based, I was in Camp Shamrock and I was in Tibnin and I was up at Hill 880 and all of those places over the course of a fascinating eight or nine days. So I know the, I know the geography, I know the area, I know how close they are to what can sometimes be a very troubled front line. And I, I know that with one night out there, one experience where we had to drive the bus we were on 
had to get into a bunker at the side of the road and, and sit there for nearly an hour until shelling died down. So, so I know what it was like. What what what, what people are talking about, PJ? I'm sick to my stomach writing this. There's been no mention on the news or on any media about the Irish soldiers who are currently on peacekeeping duties in Lebanon, stuck in the middle of this current conflict. They have no water, no power, no food. These are our Irish soldiers. Instead of bringing a plane load of Ukrainians here, would the Irish government think that little of our soldiers and bring them home? If the pay wasn't so bad, they wouldn't be there in the first place. Please don't give out my name as I have family there at the moment and spirits are very, very low. It's the not knowing, the waiting and the not knowing, not hearing a word that's so scary. It's so sad. They're in bunkers with no beds and they're overcrowded in there. A minute is like two hours. And they have no contact with family until they can get out when it's calm for a while. That is a concerning message, which I would love to bring up with Defence Forces Press. I don't know how many Irish soldiers are out there at the moment, but that, that, is, that is concerning. We'll come back to it. 0818969696. Now, Steve Bennett, Dungeons and Naggins. I love that idea. Morning. Hello, PJ. How are you doing? It's a board game, sir. It sure is. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very simple board game. It's designed for non-gamers, for people who've maybe heard of Dungeons & Dragons, but have never played it or don't really know what it is. Yeah. It's a great entry-level one for non-gamers. Dungeons & Dragons is a video game. Dungeons & Dragons is a pen and paper role-playing game. It's like what the kids play on Stranger Things in the okay. basement. Okay, okay. And to play Dungeons & Dragons, it takes qu- usually quite a long time. It, like A lot of games might be six or eight hours, and anyone here who's ever played or tried to play knows that trying to organize that many people to commit to that many hours uh, at, at once a week, once a month, once a year is nearly impossible. So my game, you can play it in 30 minutes, and it's good crack for everybody. So what's the story between Dungeons & Dragons versus Dungeons & Naggins? Well, a few years ago, my friend was turning one of those birthdays like 31 where you don't really know what to do. So he said, Steve, will you make me a game of Dungeons & Dragons? We'll all come over to my living room and we'll play. But I didn't know really what that was and I'd never played it before and Steve, I didn't have any of the books. Steve, Steve, I'm so sorry to do this to you. I'm so sorry because I was just beginning to enjoy where we were going with this, but I need to leave you for breaking news. Steve Bennett, we'll come back tomorrow to this. This is a very, very big breaking story. I'm going to going to East Cork, going to y'all. Paul Bourne joins me. Paul. Uh, good morning, PJ. Um, in the last hour, uh, the state pathologist, uh, Dr. Margaret Bolster, arrived at the property in Yall. And my understanding is that a human skeleton remains have been found in a house, which has been cordoned off since uh, Monday. Um, so this has been a major Development, excuse me, PJ, I'm breathless because we're running okay, here. Um, um, breathless art. <laughs> this is breaking story. Um, in the last hour, pathologist arrived at the scene in a, an unmarked guard the car. And it's been confirmed now to us in the last uh, couple of minutes that uh, skeletal remains and those believed to be human have been found at the house in Yall. The house, as I said, was cordoned off since Monday. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Mon- yes, Monday, yeah, I know you're Monday losing track of time. O'clock. It was during on budget Monday. day, so Tuesday, Tuesday, Monday. Tuesday at five o'clock, and um, a man in his fifties was arrested. He was uh, taken to Cove Garza Station, 
where he was questioned up until around 5 o'clock yesterday and released without charge. But this morning, the breaking news and a major development into the disappearance and murder of Tina Satchel is that skeletal remains have been found here at a house in Yall. Obviously, positive identification. This will take some time before um, a positive identification because obviously forensics will have to use uh, DNA. Um, but the, the major breaking news now is that skeletal remains have been found in the investigation into the disappearance and murder of Tina Satchwell. If you're able to, to stay with me for a minute or two, Paul, let us recap the, the events of the week. Um, just for listeners who might be late to this, the first of all, she disappeared in March of 2017. Mar- Mar- March 2017. She and her husband Richard had been at a car boot sale in Carrick Tool. Um, they returned. The following day, Richard has told Gardy that Tina asked him to go to Dungarvan to get some groceries. He said he did that, and when he returned, the set of keys were on the floor of the house. She had left. She was no sign of her, which he said was very strange because the two dogs were there. They were her, the love of her life. They were her pride and joy. And um, he said, just as the hours went on, he was saying to himself, maybe she just needs time out. And... Um, it was four days before he reported her missing to the uh, Gardaí or anything like that. Um, Susan O'Fee, I'm walking here and again. It's because there's developments as we speak at the scene. Okay. Um, yes, if you're in a position, um, if you're in a position no, to I, describe to me what happened or what's happening in um, front of you. No, it, it, it's okay. It was just a, another unmarked car. Um, but it, it's just happening every second. There's things happening here at, at the moment. But... Um, Following the reported missing of his wife, um, a major investigation was launched. Uh, the house here in Yall was actually forensically examined about a month or to six weeks after she had been reported missing, and um, the investigation team didn't find anything at that stage. And um, as the, the weeks and months and years went on, uh, in fact, on the, on, the, on the first anniversary, there was a major search of up to 30 acres of woodland in Mitchell's, uh, Mitchell's Wood outside Castle Martyr. Mm-hmm. There was also a dive conducted by um, Garda divers just uh, across from Tina Satchel's house at the Keys in um, Yall. Nothing found there. And um, it was just now, really, I suppose, since Tuesday, since they moved in, and cordoned off the house. It went like clockwork. They moved in just before five o'clock. Uh, they made an arrest in East Cork around the same time. And within 10 minutes, you had the house, um, you know, cordoned off and teams went in uh, to, to mark out areas. And um, they were doing so yesterday in atrocious, atrocious conditions, you know, um, trying to get through what was really, as I said earlier to you, like a forest out the back of the house. Mm. And um, earlier this morning, it's now just emerged that uh, human remains have been located and um, the pathologist has, is at the scene. Oh, the, so it's, it's Dr. Bolter is already there, is she? Oh, she is. She, she arrived about 11 o'clock um, and she's still in there. And there's obviously um, work has more or less stopped uh, at the site here while she's conducting her uh, examination at the site. One assumes, given that she's there so quickly, I know she's only, she is based in the county, but one assumes, seeing that she's there so quickly, Paul, that yeah, they, they, she, they knew she, what they she were... Actually, she arrived, um, I know, like that, that there was a, a police escort for her uh, to bring her from wherever she was, and, you know, they arrived at speed uh, along the dual carriageway and over the bypass and arrived here just at around 11 o'clock this morning, you know.
Wow. DJ, that's the latest development. Excuse me, I'll have to go because I'm getting ready for our own news. At okay, you do that. You Thank go you. do that. That's Paul Bourne of Virgin Media News and occasionally of this programme. So let me just summarise what has happened. And you can't get more of a live update than that. Live from the scene takes me back to my old reporting days when you would break into a programme with something like that. But let me just recap what has broken in the last five minutes. So you'll know that on Tuesday there was an arrest of a man in East Cork after Gardaí upgraded the investigation to a murder inquiry. There was a man arrested and brought to the Garda station in Cove, where he was questioned under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act. He was subsequently released without charge last evening and a file is to be prepared for the DPP. At the same time as he was arrested, they moved into this house in Grattan Street in Yall, cordoned it off, put up barriers, and they moved the devil and all of equipment into it yesterday morning and they began digging and we were told they were bringing in pickaxes and chainsaws and digging equipment and whatever you're having yourself. And we now know that this morning human remains have been located at that scene in Grattan Street in Yall. The breaking news brought to us there by Paul Bourne of Virgin Media News. The state pathologist was brought, the assistant state pathologist, Dr. Bolster, brought to the scene by Garda Escort along the dual carriage where she arrived in Yall at 11 o'clock. She's at the scene now and no doubt conducting her examinations of what has been found. You'll hear more on news, I have no doubt, throughout the rest of the day and we will return to this story tomorrow. But that's it for now. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Your podcast will be up ASAP. And we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.